My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. We're in Philippians chapter 1, starting a new uh, pericope today. So looking at verses uh, probably 12 through 14-ish. I have way more slides than I can possibly get through, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. So there's that. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, feel free to read along or just listen to Philippians chapter 1. So I read through Philippians 1, and then we'll start with uh, verse 12 here in just a couple minutes. So Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I will rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. 
This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I have. Philippians chapter 1. So if you'll join me on page 50 in your green books. They still holding up okay? Nobody's just like falling apart and we're good? All right, excellent, all right. Good, good, good. Um, so, so in a typical first century letter, we've talked through some of the components. Uh, so we talked through what first is identified as the author and then comes the recipient, then there's a greeting, then there's some thanking of a deity, and then we move into the body of the actual letter. And that's what we get into today. So you can almost think about All right, Paul has gotten through all of the introductory comments. Now we're going to begin talking about what he actually wanted to talk about. And generally speaking, the first thing that you would communicate would be some type of a personal update. Like, how are things going with me? And then I'll get to anything, any messages that you need to know that I want to send to you. So you'd start with kind of this personal update. And if you look at verses 12 through 20, how much about... Paul, does Paul share about Paul? Not a lot, right? Is there anything there that they wouldn't have already known from the folks running back and forth? It's like he's in prison, yes. There's opposition to the gospel, yes. Which leads me to my first quote, most remarkable about this opening reflection is... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is what we plan to get through today. <laughs> Can we all just laugh at the same time at the concept that Jim's going to get through three full verses of Philippians? All right, let's keep going. Uh, most remarkable about this opening reflection is how little it sells about Paul personally. You might be thinking, don't they care? Yeah, but he's actually got a pattern that he uses that's not him talking about him. So flip a couple pages over in your Bibles. Um, oh, I didn't put them out on the table today, did I? Actually, actually go back one slide, Dave. We're going to go to Colossians 4, 7 through 8. So somebody got that? Uh, all right. And then Ephesians 6, 21 and 22. So who's got Colossians 4, 7 and 8? Got it? Excellent. Go, Josh. Uh, Tychicus will tell you. Tychicus. We'll try to get. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. So who's going to take care of all the personal stuff? Tychicus. Excellent. Great. So who's got uh, Ephesians 6, 21 and 22? You got it? Awesome. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Wait, hang on. I'm sorry. I said, I said Ephesians 6. Did you read Colossians 4? So wait. Okay. So start over. So who does it feel like has the responsibility to communicate how Paul is doing? Ticket, not Paul, right? <laughs> right. So who does Paul send with the letter to Philippi? I'll give you a hint. It's not Tychicus. <laughs> 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 
It's that really, remember the guy who has the itis? Epaphroditus, yes, that's exactly right. Yes, yes, we got it. It's Epaphroditus. Yeah, so Epaphroditus is going to fill in all the, like, how's he doing? How's he look? You know, because there's, there's going to be somebody in Philippi. Well, like, does he look healthy? Like, how's it going? Right? I mean, this is, if, when, when my wife asks me about how I engage with somebody, I want to say, here are the six facts. I am finished communicating. And she wants to know, well, are they, how do they feel today? I, I don't care i don't i don't know how to answer that i wasn't listening for that right and <laughs> i usually do yes there's usually like there's very specific things that we're going to get and there we go uh so paul he kind of offloads that on uh, epaphroditus yes dave yeah but it's like i, I think paul's communicating the only thing that really mattered to paul which was why like can you say like, that again Exactly right. And then, you know, that actually people are coming to Christ where That's it's right. at. So he's like the insider. Paul's focus is the gospel. It is not Paul. And like how often would I be tempted if I was in prison and didn't know really how long I was going to be there? Because uh, this was not a you got so many years sentence. This was we're going to put you there and we'll, we'll deal with you if we think about you again. And we might not. Whoa, that's a bit different, right? And then one more point we'll make, and then we'll kind of move into verse 12. Uh, so contemporary missionary letters, let's go forward two more. Uh, contemporary missionary letters look very much like Philippians 1, 12 through 26. Like, here's what's going on with the gospel. Did, did anybody grow up in a church where you got missionary letters and they were either read or displayed somewhere in the building and you kind of follow along with how... Um, how the missionaries were doing. I, I actually kind of missed this because like, it was like, oh, there's Joe and his wife, and I, they're real people, and they're here. We had a, a big uh, world map uh, in our church, uh, and it, we had a, like, it was a paper one for a while, and then somebody with like, incredible artistic ability carved a wooden one, and they put little plaques up all over the world where we had missionaries, and it, at some point, it, it like, covered the whole world. You couldn't see the continents anymore because of the, I was like, that's kind of cool. And then you realize, like, Christianity is a really big thing. <laughs> it's all over. It's not just my two little friends here with us. It's a much larger experience. Yes? Oh, yeah, the missionaries would drop by and visit, right, and give you an update on them. Like, hey, here's what's going on, right? Absolutely. Uh, so this is Dr. Moises Silva. I forgot to introduce him. Um, this man has more degrees than like a fall day in Tennessee. It is <laughs> unbelievable. That was off the cuff, and it was actually fairly funny, wasn't it? That wasn't bad. Okay. Um, and it's safe to keep on the recording, so that's even better. <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, he is just mind-numbingly brilliant. Uh, and he, he kind of was in like second gear so far in his commentary, and he has just shifted into overdrive. So you, you're probably going to see a lot more from uh, Dr. Silva soon. Um, I don't even know how many doctorates he has. Like it's, it's more than one, right? It's just, I don't Like at what point do you go, I think I got it. <laughs> He's not there yet. All right, so let's start with verse 12 here. I'm on page 51. Uh, so now I want you to know. Now I'm on page 52. 
So I want you to know, now, look at the, look at the top of page 52. So you see the, the red word brothers, that's the word in the English. And then you see the, the bracket there for Adelphos. This is a plural masculine vocative. It's not vocative. I've been mispronouncing this. So it's vocative, like evocative. Um, and the vocative case is the case of direct address. So if I am directly addressing someone, that is the case that we are in. It is a very, like I'm talking to you specifically right now. So I'm talking specifically to you brothers. And then the CSB adds and sisters. So what's that about? Well, there's combinations of Greek verb tenses that can be explicit toward one gender. There's combinations of Greek verb tenses that can be very generic and should include both. This is actually one that should include both. And here's the really cool thing. Paul does this again. Let's go to the next quote, Dave. Dr. Fee points this out. Uh, the vocative of Adelphos means brothers and sisters in the Pauline letters is made plain from Philippians 4, 1 and 2, where Paul uses this exact same word and then addresses two women. She's like, so there are ways to do this that are gender inclusive in ways that we as Christians who would say God made male and female and a distinction between the two are not appropriate. There are ways to do this that are grammatically consistent and theologically consistent with what we see later on in Paul in this letter that we would go, actually, that works. So, I did not think I was going to land here. I thought I was going to rail. Grammar wins. So there we go. All right, so I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me. So what has happened to Paul? Let's make sure we understand what has happened to Paul. He's what? He's in prison. Yes, he's absolutely. He's in prison. So why is he in prison? For the gospel. Is it just, well, we're just going to pick some random Christian and we're going to say, you're going to be thrown in prison for the gospel. Did he do something because of the gospel? Yeah, he was preaching the gospel. He was sharing the gospel. He, uh, we see several times in the, in the book of Acts where there's, uh, a ruckus that's created because of the gospel was proclaimed in some area and he just kind of continually got on the nerves of the Roman government until they said you know what we're going to fix the leaky faucet you ever had a, a dripping faucet in your house it's a soothing sound I was like, everybody's like yes bring me all the leak no it's grating you want it to stop and I can, I can sense from the frustration from the Romans that we're going to deal with this. And Rome dealt with things in very specific ways. And it was the sword. The sword, the sword, the sword, the sword. Like we're going to lock you up and then we'll eventually kill you. So he's given them a, a history lesson here without describing any of the content. So I want you to know that what's happened to me, this is a perfect active, so it's ha actively happening in the past. Uh, what's happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So let's do a couple of applications and personalizations at the bottom of page 52. First application, God actively works in the lives of his children, which I think is great. We do not have an inactive God. God actively works in the lives of his children. So what do we do with that? Well, how about we do what Paul did here? Acknowledge his work. Just acknowledge it. 
And then don't miss, I probably got these out of order. Don't miss the, I want you to know brothers and sisters. You see the brothers and sisters? Hey, Shanda, guess what? You're my sister. I have a, a, a blood sister. Well, that's, that doesn't work either, does it? Because we're brother and sister through blood too. I've told you all the Daniel Goble story, right? He calls me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. This is when we live in the same neighborhood. I'm not going to finish through verse 14 now because I'm going to tell this story. So, FYI. Um, and because you interrupted me, Dave. So, like, you took all the time and that was it. Like, that's the reason. I'm laying it at your feet. So, he calls me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was literally like 2 o'clock in the morning. Wakes me up. He said, hey, I've got to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay. I need you to take me to the hospital. Oh, okay. I was like, it, it took a second, right? And so, you call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's going to take a second, Josh. Like, it's, it's going to take a second. Get him to the hospital. Uh, he's having, was it gallbladder? Was that what the issue was? I think it was gallbladder issue, yeah. And uh, so I'm like holding him up. And we get in there, and the nurse is like, who are you? I was like, I'm his brother. And he kind of looks at me. I'm thinking, you're really going to pitch a fit right now. Like, like, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and, you know, I'm 6'3". Daniel's 5'8". We don't have any visible characteristic that is similar. And, uh, and I, I looked at the nurse and said, we got the same daddy, different mamas. And she was like, oh, okay. And he, he looked at me, kind of winked. He's like, that was good. Like, that was good. <laughs> and I got to go back until his wife got there. And then she kicked me out of the room as she should have. And away we went, right? But we are brothers. So this is your application. Christians are brothers and sisters. Christians are brothers and sisters. We're blood brothers and sisters. So what do we do with that? How about we behave like family? We can behave like family. Now, for some of you, for some of you, that means something totally different. (laughs) Behave like the family you wish you had. How about that? All right, so I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what, is actual, what has happened to me has actually, and I, I will tell you, that this is a beautifully translated phrase here, because this, this word actually can be easily translated as rather, uh, has rather advanced the gospel, has actually advanced the gospel. And in our, in our modern day uh, English vernacular, we use actually as rather quite often. Like it's an awkward usage grammatically, but Semantically, it actually, <laughs> oh, oh, that was not intentional. That was not intentional. All right, so it's actually advanced the gospel. So let's talk about this word uh, advanced for just a second. So Ruman, the unhappy commentator, uh, he says, uh, it was it's just bitter, man, I'm telling you. Uh, so this word referred to the individual's moral progress in virtue or to progressing science, technology, and culture and to the rise to power by Rome. So Paul takes a word, he does this so often, he takes a word that means something to the Romish people and he flips it on its head and he uses it to support the gospel. <laughs> yeah, we, we, just, we just need to keep our one eye on the fact that Paul was a genius and a really good author and the Holy Spirit's the one doing the writing. Like, you put all that together, you've got somebody who's critically, critically talented and gifted 
with a wealth of theological knowledge and a few decades of following Christ, and you get stuff like this, right? It's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. Now, I want to make sure that we draw a distinction, and Silva does this extraordinarily well. So let's go one forward. So we're going to hang on this slide for just a second, because I want to make sure we understand what he doesn't say. So the apostle, however, did not merely say that the gospel had continued to make progress in spite of adversity. This is not what Paul said. It is not, in spite of the adversity, the gospel made progress. Let's keep going. Rather, the adversity itself had turned out for the advancement of the gospel. These are two different things. This is not like, well, we expected one, but we... He's like, no, 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 no. The adversity resulted in advancement. You see, I, he flips the Roman narrative because the Roman narrative is conquer through strength, through might. We'll advance because we're strong. And the gospel narrative is the gospel advanced because the speaker is weak. There you go. And, and that's also each of our... Yes. Yes. There's a struggle. Jesus calls us to do the total opposite. Yes. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. He has built into the fabric of Christianity a subversion of what an unbeliever would think is how the universe works. It's just... It's just, so I, I didn't want to, this was such a beautifully distilled thought. I was like, we've got to lean into this for just a second. So, thank you, Dave. All right, so what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. What was this section supposed to be about? How you doing, Paul? <laughs> What's he gotten to? We're not through the first verse, and he's mentioned the gospel. What do you think is coming next? <laughs> Poor gospel, yes. So that, so, all right, so I want you to understand so Paul is, uh, Paul will make a statement and then give examples. He is incredibly easy to outline. And if you were outlining this pericope, like the statement would be verse 12, and then subheadings would be verse 13, that's example one. Verse 14 would be example two. So uh, let's take a look. Oh, I forgot to do the application of personalization at the bottom. Uh, bottom page 53, God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel. God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel. It is not just about me. It's actually almost never about me. I feel like I could most days remove the almost from that sentence. <laughs> so God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel. So what do we do with that? Acknowledge the goal. So acknowledge God's work when we see him working in us, but acknowledge the goal is the advancement of the gospel. This is beautiful stuff. So, verse 13. So that, here's the purpose statement, it has become known, it has become apparent, it has become public. Where? Throughout the whole imperial guard. All right, let's... Let's, let's park here on this concept of imperial guard for just a second. So what does it sound like the imperial guard is? It's just surface level, look at the words. Like, What do you think the imperial guard is? The, the, the bodyguard of who? 
or the Caesar, right? So the, the, the chief, the top, the, the highest level, like these are the people that are around him. Good, that's exactly right. Um, this poses, so I'm going to get a little nerdy for just a second. Uh, when we, <laughs> you're like, isn't that cute? You think it's just for a second. Yes, that's right. I heard that snicker. I heard that snicker. Thank you. It was, it's good to know when, this is like the Johari window, right? I thought it was private. Y'all realize it's out in public, so, okay. Um, <laughs> the Imperial Guard, this is one of the phrases why we think Paul's actually writing from Rome. Because the Imperial Guard was not stationed at Ephesus or Caesarea. So let's go to our next uh, slide here, just a second, Dave. Um, so this is Dr. Fee. This is like the happy uh, commentator. He is really just a happy man. Uh, this phrase tends to cut the ground from under the hypotheses of either an Ephesian or Caesarean, used in a non-pregnancy way here, guys. Uh, provenance or history, you have to put your like uh, Antiques Roadshow hat on for this quote, uh, for this letter, since uh, the guard cannot be demonstrated to ever have existed in Ephesus. Like, that's not where it was. So if, if Paul was with the imperial guard, he wasn't in Ephesus. And the reason this matters is there's a timeline difference. Because if he was in Ephesus, it changes the timeline for when uh, Philippians actually was written. And this is going to matter as we get into the later chapters of Philippians. So when I say I think he's writing from Rome, I think he's writing from Rome because of this usage right here. It's like textually driven. Uh, and it's certainly not Herod's Praetorium in Caesarea because like, this is not the size. So you wouldn't call that the imperial guard. Like, Herod was... He was important for his tiny little turf, but he's not the emperor. Like, radical difference. So, uh, is there one more? Is that just it? That's it? Yep, cool, good. All right, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, and I wish I, had put in this, I wish I had put this quote in the introduction week of uh, Philippi, because I think it would have helped with the conversation, Danus, uh, that you and I had early on about Philippians. So let's look at this next quote from uh, Dr. Fee. Although they would have guarded Paul around the clock, they would have also given him access to visitors, to the writing of letters, and to other routine matters, right? So it wasn't just, I'm in a prison cell and nobody can come. Like, there were people coming and going and bringing and giving and all sorts of engagement with Paul when he was here under house arrest. Let's keep going. So they would rotate, and there's all kinds of debate as to what goes in this ellipses, whether it was three-hour shifts, four-hour shifts, or six-hour shifts. We're not entirely sure. We know there were shifts. Y'all okay with that? Okay, cool, good. The point is, lots of people coming in and out, chained to Paul, which is a super wonky guard duty. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard you by chaining you to me. Pass? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I just, that's not, that's not my jam, but okay, cool. Uh, so Paul would have had access to several, or many of them, from whom eventually the whole guard would have had known the reason for his bonds. Now, Paul's using a little bit of um, a little bit of hyperbole here because of our next quote. Our next quote's from Hansen. So uh, Paul's reference to the palace guard points to the most elite group of Roman soldiers who served as a special bodyguard for Caesar. So this is this is the the biggest, baddest, boldest, ugliest crew. Let's keep going. This group of 9,000, we feel highly confident that this group was about 9,000. So look at your text. Known throughout the whole imperial guard. Does Paul say, I was chained to each and every one? No. He just said they all knew. 
There are some commentators that lean really far into like, Paul couldn't have been chained to each and every one. There was a couple that did the math. Like if it was a three-hour shift or a six-hour shift and they changed it every day and they didn't. And I'm like, that's not what he said. Because soldiers talk. This, so what he's saying. Like soldiers talk. It's cool. It's really good. But I want you to see how big a deal these guys were. They sometimes exerted control over Caesar himself. In fact, they deposed and promoted Caesars. This next one's crazy. After they assassinated Caligula. So if you ever run a country, don't tick off the military. Especially not your personal guard. <laughs> right? Because you've funded their training in how to kill people. <laughs> so they... They put Claudius on the throne, and later they got it the direction of Nero's reign. It's like, okay, cool. Is there a movie that anybody has seen that you could resonate this with? I think of the movie Gladiator. Uh, uh, is it Gladiator? Yes, Gladiator, right? Where the emperor came to Maximus and said, I want you to lead. Maximus is like, no, it's not for me, it's not for me. And what does the emperor's son do? He goes and he colludes with the other military leaders and the politicians to take over. Because if you don't have the military, you can't actually have a coup. So, this is a big deal. <laughs> so it's become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard, page 55, and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. You're like, well, who's the everyone else? Was everybody that was on site with Caesar a part of the Imperial Guard? Like, no, that had been what? Cooks. Cooks and servants and politicians and people coming and going. And so this was not a, like, Paul was not the unknown, forgotten prisoner. Paul was the guy that, like, everybody knew who Paul was. Does this make Paul dangerous in the eyes of the Roman government? Oh, yeah. Because the last thing you want, like if you just look at world history, the last thing you want is a famous political prisoner. Because, guys, this is not about religion. This is about politics. <laughs> this is about Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. And Rome has a problem. And Rome's going to deal with their problem shortly. But uh, I want to lean in for just a second with Dr. Kion's quote here about how dangerous this was. So this whole situation would have been laced with danger. Paul was not in a Western prison, but the Nero, I love this phrase, the Nero-dominated heart of the Roman Empire. Keep going. Speaking of and praying to the Roman-killed Jewish rebel Jesus as Lord, Savior, and Son of God. Like, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, it's direct conflict. While chained to Roman soldiers who served Nero. Now, there's also some irony here, right? The irony is that with Paul as a soldier and ambassador of God in prison, but the gospel advancing among the enemy forces as he shares Christ and his fellow soldiers, like Epaphroditus, preached the gospel in the city. See, Rome thought they were actually militarily advancing, and what's actually advancing is the gospel, and Paul uses the same language coming back, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. He flips all this on its head. So it known to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am. Now, look at this little phrase at the bottom of page 55. Is there a, is there a bracket after the word is? 
Is there a bracket after the word because? Is there a bracket after the word I? Is there a bracket after the word am? All this is supplied by the English translators because this is a wonky, wonky, wonky piece of Greek. Like it is, <laughs> to the people who know Greek, they would say it's Greek to me. Like it's, it's that complicated to try to figure out. Uh, but what they all agree on is the phrase in Christ. They all agree on this. Because I want you to notice what he is not saying here. He is not saying this is for the sake of Christ. He is saying because I am in Christ. And those are slightly different, right? Slightly different. So our next quote from Dr. Silva here, Paul's recognition, this is Paul's recognition that he is sharing in Christ's suffering. This is one of those little subtle head nods that he's going to lean into later on in Philippians with the motif of suffering and how, it's, and how it still can occur in the midst of great joy. And how do, we, how do we engage with all of these concepts? So Paul is teeing up this concept early so that he can hit it later on and reference back to, hey, I'm in prison, but there's still joy. There's still joy. So top of page 56 in your notes, I am in Christ. Verse 14, most of the brothers, now, this is not the same uh, uh, parsing of this word. This is a plural masculine genitive as opposed to the plural masculine vocative. We don't put brothers and sisters here because this reference is explicitly talking to people who are proclaiming and preaching and evangelizing in a much more uh, role-based position than a generic command to go evangelize to any and all believers. That was a really long sentence. I hope that made sense. Right? Okay, good. So, most of the brothers have gained confidence. Now, the top of page 57 here, have gained confidence. So this is a plural, so this is a group of people, and this is a perfect active. So they've, they've gained confidence in the past because of my imprisonment. They've gained confidence, but this is an active confidence. This is the subject did the work confidence. This is they saw Paul's situation and they were confident because of this situation. They gained confidence in Paul, in themselves, in the gospel, in the Lord. Because they saw what God was doing and gained confidence in the Lord. And here's my question. So Paul's imprisonment resulted in men choosing to be more confident in the Lord. So what are we doing to help other believers choose to be confident in the Lord? Like what in my life is something that you can point to and go, I am confident in God because of that. This is what has beaten me up for the last two weeks. So I'm finally glad to get to say it and get it out of my heart and my head. Um, they've gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. So our application and personalization here, application Christians can help other Christians with their confidence in the Lord. Christians can help other Christians with their confidence in the Lord. Christians can help other Christians with their confidence in the Lord. So what do we do with that? Submit to the Lord's will for us. 
submit to the Lord's will for us. Now, confidence on its own is useless. You have to do something with confidence. So Christians can help other Christians with their confidence in the Lord. So what do we do with that? Submit to the Lord's will for us. So what did they do with this confidence? That's page 58. And they dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. This word dare is in the present tense. The word speak is in the present tense. This is currently ongoing when Paul is writing. This dare is to venture, to be courageous. This is the same word that's used of Joseph of Arimathea in Mark 15, 43, when it says he, was, he dared even to go and ask for the body of the Lord. Right? To speak, this even more is super abundantly. Even more is a, it's an anemic translation. It should be like greatly, amazingly, substantially. Like even more is just like, can we, can we make it in bold and make the font size bigger maybe? I don't know. It's like we need to puff that up just a bit. To speak the word. And what's this word referencing here? The gospel, right? So we, Paul's got little substitution words in for gospel here. To speak the word, to speak the gospel fearlessly. Fearlessly. This word fearlessly is aphobos. You guys know phobos is fear. You put ah in front of it. It means not fear. To speak the word with no fear. So what do we do with this? Our last application and personalization. God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel through others. God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel through others. So what do we do with this? I would say submit to both sides. So God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel through others. So what do we do? Submit to both sides. Both God working for others and God working through others. So God works in the lives of his children to advance the gospel through others. So what do we do with that? Submit to both sides of that. God working for others, God working through others. And here's our last quote. Modern readers need to consistently remind themselves of the backdrop of this and the developing situation in Rome. Nero was crazy. Like Nero is what it looks like when you marry your, fam your close family members for several generations. I don't use the word crazy lightly. I mean, he was... Like, he was clinically insane. He was not a well man. Nero's lunacy was peaking, and it would not be long before the Christian church would be blamed for Rome's destruction by fire. And a renewed commitment to gospel proclamation was very dangerous right here. So Paul is stirring them up to get ready for an onslaught of persecution where Nero would light the streets of Rome with burning Christians. They didn't have lamps. He lit the streets with burning Christians. And this is what Paul is saying, speak the word fearlessly. Whew. It's heavy. I mean, it's heavy. And remember, this is little Rome. This is Philippi, right? So... <laughs> 
what happens there is going to, it's just, it's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. All right, we did get through 14, and I am way over, and I apologize for that. But, uh, but we did. So. All right, so you should have a weekly update uh, on your table. If you would, jot your name down there. Uh, feel free to pray over, or please pray over, at least one of the sections. If you have any changes, make those. Guys online, if you guys have any changes or updates or prayer requests, we'd love to hear those as well. Um, and if I went too quickly for any of the applications and personalizations, I've got them all written down in my notes, so feel free to come up and get what you need. I saw a couple of you borrowing answers from friends, which I think is great. Strongly encouraged. But that's today's lesson. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.